0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Uh, let's go now to James chapter 4. And uh, we have been marching through the book of James, and, um, and James is wisdom literature. I think that... Um, once you understand that, it makes a whole lot more sense because it seems utterly disjointed uh, otherwise. So uh, this is wisdom literature, and yet it's, it's surprising to me as I approach this of how many times the, uh, James talks about the tongue. Uh, he warns teachers, not many of you should become teachers. Um, he's talking about the tongue and how we use the tongue. We saw that uh, we can use our tongues to murder each other or to bring life. And this morning, he continues that theme um, of the tongue. And this is what we read in chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And some translations say, do not slander. So, do not speak evil against one another, brothers, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we uh, need you to come this morning and we need you to give us hearts to, to receive the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, we need you to empower your word personally, that our eyes might see and our ears might hear the reality of your truth. Oh God, we need you to lead us forward. Father, we've all been hurt, and we've all hurt. We have all been spoken evil against, and we've all spoken evil against. And so, humble us in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, would you humble us, and yet would you show us the judge himself who was willing to be destroyed for us, that we might be willing to be destroyed for others. Oh, God, create a movement of love, a movement of forgiveness, a movement of unity, a movement that breaks down walls and barriers between one another, that brings reconciliation and healing. God, blow through this place by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might be the community that you have redeemed us to be, that the world might see, Lord Jesus, that indeed you are legitimate, <laughs> that there is power in your love, there is power in your finished work, and it has an impact on a people. Make it so, oh God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Romans three nineteen through 20 says this. It says, now we know that whatever the law speaks or says it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God for by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin Friends, the purpose of truth in the scriptures is not to empower us, but to humble us. If you're a Christian here this morning, that is is where it all started. It all started with us hearing the law of God and us sensing conviction. We didn't hear the law of God and said, Yeah, that's me. Therefore, I don't need Jesus. (laughs) No, we all heard the law. The Holy Spirit brought conviction, and we said, there is a gap between me and this holy God, and we need the man Christ Jesus to reconcile us, to bring us close, because his finished work, his life, his death, his resurrection paid for my sin, and his life under the law has, has granted me righteousness, a righteous standing before the Father. I am sinful in myself, but I'm clothed in the righteousness of God. And out of that comes a humility. Out of that comes a lowering. The law doesn't empower. The law humbles. And the law, therefore, should make a a, a people that that are are, are more humble than holier than thou. The, The gospel should create a radically new community. Those of us who have been brought forth by the word of of the truth, as, as James speaks earlier in the book, those of us who have been born by the living word should have a humility and therefore should out of that humility be speaking words of humility, not words of judgment and slander. And yet, if you, and, and yet we all know that that is not what we often find in the church. We were at our staff was at a church planners, planners retreat this week in Colorado, and uh, we had counselors on hand for church planners, and we realized immediately that we should have brought more counselors for church planners. Why? It wasn't the wounds of the world; it was the wounds of God's people. "...that have humbled these church planters to their knees. One came even having already submitted his resignation. They were wounded and broken. Why? Because the church has not spoken words of love, not spoken words of encouragement, but spoken words of slander and evil." If we went to um, the socio-social um, financially uh, or economically poor in our community, would would they feel as if the church is is a community that has lifted them up and encouraged them and brought life, or have they been ignored and even judged? Do they feel judged? Does the LGBTQ community in Memphis feel loved and and, and encouraged by believers in this city, or have they felt judged and isolated? Have people in our own households felt encouraged by us, or have they felt judged? You see, Jesus says the whole fulfillment of the law is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Paul says in Galatians. He left out, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says, the fulfillment of the law is to love your neighbor as yourself. And notice it doesn't say um, your straight neighbor or your gay neighbor, your white neighbor or your black neighbor or Latino or Asian neighbor. It doesn't say the neighbor that, that has all of your um, common interest. It doesn't say the neighbor that you really connect with and makes you feel good about you. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we all wrestle with this. And, and Jesus knew we needed more. He tells us in Matthew 5, 43, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Oh, man, if that were only the, the, the marching orders. We got that one down. No, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Oh, my For he makes his son, listen to this, he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? The gospel, the whole purpose of the gospel is to bring a community of peace and healing to the world, not a community of war and murder and judgment and condemnation. And you say, Richard, now wait a minute. I thought we're supposed to stand for truth. Absolutely. But how do we use that truth? That's what James is getting at. James is telling us, he he, he approaches it negatively. He ends with this question, who are you to judge your neighbor? But what's his point? It's not just stop judging your neighbor. It's stop judging your neighbor so you can love your neighbor. What he wants to do, he wants to bring conviction that we might see our need for the, the Jesus who judged us and then took the judgment himself. That we might be a people empowered by his work to go out and not judge, but take the judgment. Wow. You see, James is wisely coming to the church and telling us, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. He says it three times. Listen to that word, brother. Don't speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Why is he saying this? Because people are speaking evil against their brother. Be- because they are slandering. Because there is murder. This is this is not this is not a new thing. It's not just you know um, peculiar to us. It's an old thing. It goes back to Genesis three, but but it's something we have to address. If you can relate to that this morning, then this sermon's for you. And the first thing we need to see is that slander and judgment have the aim of harm and not healing. What is slander and judgment? What is he talking about? I have to tell you, this is not, there. If this, this may be one of the most practical sermons I've ever preached, and, and it was practical to me this week. I spent some time with uh, two people on the staff of a church far outside of Memphis, and there is real tension to the point that i thought there was just confrontation going on but it was actually a crisis it's actually a present crisis and i was called in not sure why me but i was called in to basically almost be like a judge i'm to come in and listen to both sides and 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 try to discern you know and try to bring reconciliation and 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 you know, what I, what I heard from the, the lead pastor was that this person on staff was not doing their job. And I talked to other staff members, and they all agreed, they're not doing their job. And you would think that it would be as easy as just going and saying, okay, you need to do your job. But no, the issue is much worse than that. Why? Because there is slander going on because it hasn't stayed in the staff and there hasn't been steps toward reconciliation and peace but there basically they have used the truth against this person and we all know that 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 is a it's an evil it is destructive it is divisive and so in essence what what, what needs to happen, there, there's a difference between taking someone and saying, you're not doing your job, we're going to get rid of you, you know, just get out of here. We don't ever want to see you again, you're not doing your job. Or coming to him and saying, you know what, the demands of ministry, none of us in ministry are ever doing their job. It's too much. Only Jesus, he's the rabbi, he's the teacher, he's the minister, he's the only one that did it perfectly. The rest of us are just fooling ourselves if we think we're doing it perfectly. Brother, I am with you. I don't do, I, I struggle doing my job too. But we've got to come together as a team, and, and we've got to at least admit that and us work together. There's a huge difference between trying to get rid of somebody and trying to bring healing to somebody. And that's what James is coming after. So what is slander? Slander is to make judgments about others for the purpose of belittling them. That's really what you want in your heart, discrediting them, pushing them out or away and not bringing them close. To slander means to belittle. It mean, To judge means to condemn. Slandering is judging or telling the truth to punish rather than redeem. It's to speak from a morally superior position to talk down or belittle rather than to speak as an equal. Slander and judging is to tell the truth to pay someone back instead of waking them up. It's to drain them of social capital, not preserve their reputation. It's to push them away, discredit, and bury someone. Get them out of sight so you don't have to think about them or deal with them ever again. Who do you want dead? This is what Jesus goes at in Matthew 5. He said, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, and here's the slander, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus doesn't equate slander with rudeness. He equates slander with murder. That's why it's so destructive in the body. That's why it's so destructive in the world. So, slander and judgment, how do we, what do we do instead of slandering and judging? We speak the truth in love. Number two, slander and judgment are not the same as speaking truth in love. Paul, in Ephesians 4 says this. He, he is talking about, um, you know, division in the body. That's what the whole book of Ephesians, he's trying to bring unity uh, to the body and to the church and tell us that we are one unit. But, but, he, but how are we to be one unit? Now, most of us would love for us to be able to have peace with no confrontation. I am confrontation averse, and many of you in here are as well, except for you eights, and I don't even understand you. You know, Uh, you enneagram eights, but um, but most of us are are um, 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 conflict averse. But what what Paul is saying is that there is a way to speak that brings love and healing, a way to speak truth. You hear me? Let's go back. I was talking about all of those neighbors that I was talking about, all of the people in our family and so forth. Listen to what he says. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's a way for you and me to speak truth to one another that actually brings healing and unity so that we are functioning on all cylinders. We are traveling at, at the kind of speed that we should be traveling is as a community and in the world. This tells me, or, or excuse me, uh, this is something that we need to hear. Because I read a report this week from uh, George Barner, who does a lot of uh, Christian statistics. And uh, back in 2019, they asked people who they would want. They asked uh, non-churched or non-believing people, um, you know, the characteristics of, of a person that they would want to talk about faith with. And 64% of non-believing people said they would want someone who, quotes, listens without judgment. But only 34% of these people said they knew a Christian like that. But additionally, then they went to the Christians, and and they were polled, and 74% agreed that listening without judgment was important for someone who wanted to share his or her faith. But only 44% of them believed they could do that, that they could listen to their neighbor without judging them. And so what this tells me is we need instruction and that's precisely what James gives us. There's three things that we need to embody to speak truth and love, to be a source of healing and not a source of, of murder and division and, and to be an instrument of the evil one. The first is this, and and friends, this absolutely freed me this week in in intervening in this very, very critical crisis, um, because one of these individuals actually was at the retreat that that we were at as a staff, and, um, and and so this helped me tremendously. The first that we thing that we need to understand is that we have to embody this reality that we are not the law. Listen to what James says, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. What is the greatest, what's the greatest commandment? Love God, love neighbor. So if we take the law to hurt somebody, if we see ourselves as the law, we are the law keepers. Uh, Ever been around somebody like that? Ever been somebody like that? We've all been somebody like that in different situations. We find ourselves feeling the need to be the law, to correct, to, to bring the truth in, just, you know. And what Paul says, uh, excuse me, what James says is when we do that, we are judging the law because the law tells me that's not, I, I am under the law, and I am someone who is a lawbreaker. I can't be the law, the law has to be the law. Unbelievable. Remember what I just read, Romans three nineteen. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be shut up. The law is not to empower you to go forth and to tell the world how bad they are, or to tell your family how bad they are, or to tell your spouse how bad they are, or to tell your church members how bad they are. No. Why? Because it's to shut you up. Why? Because you're a lawbreaker. And I'm a lawbreaker. The law shuts us up. Thus, we are not to look at the speck in our brother's eye until we what? Deal with a log in our own. That's saying the exact same thing. You're not the, you think you're the law? Oh, start taking a look at yourself. Start, uh, the law can never be a bat in our hand, but a mirror to see our own face. Oh, my, my. The law is never to be a bat in our hand, but a mirror to see our face. That's what James says earlier in chapter 1. He, he um, um, correlates the law with a mirror, and that's the purpose of the law. It's not to bring others in there, oh, look at how bad you are. No, it's to bring me forward and say, ooh, mm, I don't like mirrors at 57 as much as I did at 33. That's the purpose of the law. You can see every wrinkle. You know, uh, my wife has one of those magnifying mirror things, and I pass, pass by it sometime. Like, whoa! You know, who is that? I'm starting to look like my. I could go on forever. I'm starting to look like my dad, and it's frightening. It's horrible. Um, you're not the law. We've got to embody that. It's not that God didn't call us to be a law in the culture. Number two, we are not the judge. 112a, there's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to destroy. Are you beginning to see now the posture that we have to take among each other here and in the world? This has helped me so much. Um, There's only one judge. It's not you, but the God of glory. So what is our role then? We are to speak truth We are not to judge with the truth. I I wish I had read this. I wish I had understood this 20, 30 years ago. Because I spent most of my life judging my father. And every time I was around him, he was not a believer. And every time I was around him, I felt like I had this huge burden. And I, Rachel would tell me, you don't even act like yourself when you're around him. And it finally clicked why ne- I never acted like myself around him as a believer. I, this week, as I was working through this passage, I realized it because I was confusing. It wasn't my job to be his judge. It wasn't my job to be the law. It was my job just to freely tell him the truth and what he does with it is God's. It's not my job to make someone gay or straight. It's not my job to make someone, you know, whatever. It's my job just to speak the truth and let God use it. It's my job to love. It's my job to move forward and toward, not isolate people. This helped me so much, and it'll help you if you're... um, conflict averse because I sat down with this couple this week and I just simply read kind of my observation. I said, look, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what the whole staff is saying about you. And I know it's going to be hurtful, but you got to know, I love you. Matter of fact, I love hanging out with you, you know, and I also love hanging out with the staff. I love you all, but here it is. And it was like the most freeing thing for me because I, I wasn't judging. I wasn't being the law. I was just providing the information and saying, brothers, I will help you walk through this. I will be with you in this. Um, We are not the judge. But then thirdly, we have to accept the nature of our salvation. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save You didn't save yourself. I didn't save myself. God saved you. There's only one who is able to save, and and he is Christ Jesus. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Do you realize what God has done for you? Do I realize what God has done for me? I am who I am today. My identity is the person of Jesus Christ because he came down in the midst of my unbelief and sin. He came down in spite of me. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he worked through, he, was, he used his word as an instrument to, to bring my soul alive. That I might see my sin, but that I might look at Jesus and say, oh, it's not me, it's you. You're my brother. You're my friend. You're my master. You're my Lord. And, oh, you have reconciled me to a father. Oh, that's the father I've always wanted. That's the father I've been looking for. And, oh, I have him because of Jesus. Oh, that gospel message begins to to soften your heart. And therefore, this whole question that, that James ends with, who are you to judge your neighbor? Makes perfect sense. I am nobody to judge my neighbor. It is not my job to judge my neighbor. Why? Because Jesus knows every sin I have ever committed he knows every sin I'm going to commit the rest of this day he knows every sin that I will commit for the rest of my life and he judged that sin to hell itself and then he said step away and I'm going to take the judgment for you oh This is the judge that we have. This is the the, the glorious Jesus that we have. And if we will live under his grace, if we will live under his love, if we will understand that we are not the law, that we are not the judge, and we understand the nature of our salvation, then we can go out into the world and understand it's not our job to save the world. Jesus has already done that. It's our job just to simply go forth and speak truth to our neighbor as men and women who who have no, who can take no credit for their salvation. We can come to the world as fellow sinners, as fellow men and women who don't have it together, who err at every point, who, oh, we want to do good, but at every point we seem to be doing bad. But oh, the love of God our Father. Do you see it? This is what we're inviting people into. This is the kind of community that we can be. Because you are, here's the reality we are gonna know the truth about each other because we're family. You're gonna find out stuff about each other. You're gonna find out stuff about me. But what are you gonna do with that truth? Turn it on yourself, take it to God. And come to me humbly. And I come to you humbly. We go to each other humbly. And we say, I may not even be right, but. And when that is our posture, that is our attitude, and we go out into the world, and we go out into our neighbors, and we start approaching them like that, I want you to know about the love I have, a love that I don't deserve. What are we going to do with the truth? When we speak the truth in love, we do so in three ways. And I'll end with these just quickly. As rescued, saved sinners, thus humbly. We go humbly. As those longing for God to bring salvation and good to others. We are fighting for our neighbor, not with our neighbor. If you just take that one thing, you've eliminated so much uh, hurt and pain And then thirdly, we go, and and, and those not making, what am I saying? Then we speak the truth we do so as those not making repentance and conversion the basis of our love. Do you realize you need unbelieving, you, you need people that don't love Jesus in your life? How many of us have deep friendships with people that don't love Jesus? You have to ask yourself, why don't I? It's probably because you've been acting like the judge and the law. We need to go out, and we need to see it's our, it's our responsibility to love, and love boldly. Speak, you don't let someone that you love walk into an oncoming train. <laughs> you, of course you speak truth. Of course you, 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 you shed light on what God has said. But you do it as a fellow traveler and a fellow sinner who just happens to be saved by grace. Friends, I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes. Uh, Paul, if you would just pray. And I would love for us, each of us, to just start identifying at least one person. I asked the question earlier, who do you want to see who you wish was dead? He said, oh, Richard, I don't wish anyone was dead. Okay, who, who do you avoid? You wish they were dead. <laughs> you wish you didn't have to deal with them. Start listing those people and asking God for grace to show you how high and wide and deep and long his love is for you in spite of your sin, in spite of what you've done. Think about your posture toward people at work that you've pushed off, that you just, you just wish they would go find another job or maybe kind of what Jesus said, you wish they were dead. Think about people in your neighborhood, neighbors that just tick you off because they're constantly doing whatever. How can you take a posture of love? It starts with repentance, your repentance, not theirs. Let's take a couple of minutes. Let's receive the benediction as you hold out your hands to receive God's word. Uh, Dear friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, friends.